John Roderick. We speak to you from our present, which we can only assume is your distant past, the turbulent time that was the early 21st century. Fearing the great cataclysm that will surely befall our civilization, we began this monumental reference of strange and obscure human knowledge. These recordings represent our attempt to compile and preserve wonders and esoterica that would otherwise be lost. So whether you're listening from an advanced civilization or have just reinvented the technology to decrypt our transmissions, this is our legacy to you. This is our time capsule. This is the Omnibus. You have accessed entry 1170.EZ2218, certificate number 24789. Slag. 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 Is this the shortest omnibus entry title? This is a, it's a, it's a show about Viz Magazine. <laughs> no. We never did Viz. No. We may. We may one day. Bill W was five letters. Slag is only four. Oh, we did MSG. There you go. This is the second briefest. I'm sure the show will still be three hours, though. Yeah, yeah. A three-hour show about a four-letter word. A three-hour show. Um, I'm guessing in 2009, you were a subscriber to U.S. News and World Report. Uh, that would be incorrect. <laughs> I went to the public library to page through it. Oh, of course. You're a library denizen. They just reopened the big, you know, the Seattle downtown library has that big spiral going I upstairs. I sure do know that. They just reopened it. On, oh. On, it had been closed throughout the pandemic. It's now open for some reason only on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. It's mostly a, probably a staffing issue to mm-hmm. to carry out the... Well, think of all the librarians that died during the pandemic. <laughs> I don't think it's that. I think it's it takes a lot of staff to, um, you know keep people from shooting up in the in the yes. magazine carols. When you first encountered that Seattle library, how did you feel? Were you as outraged as I was that the books were relegated to a a weird uh labyrinth? It is we should explain that there's this massive, you know, like many public works projects, it's the only chance for architects to show off anymore. So it's this massive facade with a huge atrium. It looks like a spaceport on the outskirts of the Dagobah system. But then there's a little um, uh, intestine in the bowels of this great beast. Something that, that you would have to search for. That contains all the, that contains all the books. Yes. Um, and I happened to walk out of the elevator in front of the part where there's still a bunch of, of those wooden cases that show um, magazines face out uh-huh. with the little cupboard behind that holds the past issues. Yeah. And there were a few people there thumbing through their magazines. I mean, it was it was as if I had gone back in time thirty years. Kind of felt like, kind of felt like the old America was back. Yeah, seventy year old men are still paging through uh, fish and wildlife magazines at the library. <laughs> American horse fancier. It's sad that the magazines are so sparse now. Oh, you know, I they know. used to be crammed in on those shelves, and now now there's just one magazine for each panel. I know. What did I? I I picked up a magazine the other day. I was somewhere where they were selling magazines and I, oh, it was probably Mojo, a magazine that used to be about rock and roll magazine used to be so thick. It was like a half an inch thick and I picked it up and it just felt like a flimsy, you know, had a couple of subscription cards in it and an article about Oasis and it just felt so sad and you know, $19 or whatever. Paper costs tripled and all the advertising went away. Yeah. So sad. The death of the magazine. But that's that explains why I wasn't reading U.S. News and World Report. In 2009, though, print, I guess there was an internet. Print was already dead in yeah, 2009. I suppose. Well, then you must have missed the 2009 cover story in U.S. News and World Report about America's most endangered malls. <gasps> Are any of them still with us? A thing that also was on the decline because of a lack of advertising and the expense of paper. Can you imagine, like, 
the crisis of finding out we have a new endangered commodity on the American landscape and it's shopping malls. The malls. I was worried about clean water and air and uh, and uh, habitat loss and wildlife diversity. But now that I've heard that Orange Julius is closing, I'm really worried. There are so many great malls in the United States that are falling apart, decrepit malls with an interior space of a million square meters uh, that used to have amusement parks and fountains and Orange Julii. <laughs> Some malls would have three or four orange julii, yeah. one at the Sears end, one at the Penny's end, one at the Nordstrom's end. Well, and you have, you've named uh, some of the key anchor tenants of malls, Wards, Montgomery Wards, JCPenney, Sears. I've read, I recently read some research which suggested that the dying malls are going to die quickly and the other half of malls are doing better than ever. What are the other half of malls? Oh, the fancy malls. The ones that yeah, happen to be in uh, good locations yeah. where, you know, happen to be in neighborhoods where young people still go to malls to shop, happen to be, uh, they got gussied up at the right time. Yep. So now they have some of the good stores and a P.F. Chang's. Yep. Uh, or some of them that have diversified into like movie theaters or a Dave & Buster's or something that people will still going to, will still be going to when... Retail dies. Yeah, they all have names like the villages. The and, villages at yeah at South Crossing. Yes, the villages at South Crossing. I love to shop there. Um, uh, we uh, our version of that here is the University Village at Laurelhurst. Yes, but did you know that if you go into the suburbs, like South Center and Alderwood, are also thriving? Yeah, I guess I did know that. At the height of the pandemic, Alderwood looked like Grand Central Terminal whenever I had to go there for something, and I realized you get into a different America in the suburbs where yes. people still recreationally go to the mall. And walk around. To go to the chain restaurants, to speed walk, to look at Hot Topic t-shirts, whatever they're doing, they're still doing it in Tukwila and Linwood. Yeah, the Apple store, often in a mall. But you you were in Korea during the mall heyday. Oh, but I, I looked forward to coming home to America for a month every summer because we just wanted to go to the mall every day. There wasn't like a, a mall in Gangnam? I mean, there was great shopping, but it was like little stalls yeah. selling all kinds of knockoff goods, cool electronics, pirated software, traditional members only traditional jackets. Korean wares. Yeah, I mean, uh, factory seconds, counterfeit designer goods. I mean, you could get everything, and we loved it. Pirated everything, but not like an American. But mall. when we got home to the mall, like looking at my um, those journals that I brought for uh, for last week's entry. It's some. You look at any summer entry, and it's just like we got to go to the mall today. We saw Dick Tracy, Dick Tracy, and went to um, what was the Mervin's shop, and went to Mervin's, <laughs> and went to the um, comic book store, and B Dalton. You know, yeah. like what a win. Yeah, I was uh, a child and teenager during the American, but during the. The mall ascendancy, the, the mauling of America. It really was the mall where you care, where you where you saw your friends, where you cared about things. Uh, in Seattle, we had I was I was a kid when Northgate Mall and uh, the Aurora Mall, Aurora or, Village, Aurora Village were both you know like just burning up the scene. Aurora Village is still a Costco and a Home Depot. Oh, and so a, sad. And a park and ride, but it was a full indoor mall. It was a, 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 when I was a little kid an outdoor mall. Oh, yeah. It had Nordstrom at one end and Sears at the other, I think. And then it had a Herfie's. It was wonderful. Uh, it had a Pizza Haven. The park and ride is still called Aurora Village. That's so lame. But if you ever tell anybody else, yeah, by Aurora Village, they won't know what you mean. Aurora Village. You'd have to say by the Costco. The amazing mid-century mall that they tore down for no good reason to build a Costco. Northgate is, by some accounts, the first covered mall in America. It is, yeah. And Northgate um, now is just a hockey stadium it's right a, they it's start, a kraken training facility yeah. with i think shopping retail and residents and uh yeah uh condos to the come. village at northgate when they tore down the sears at alderwood while they just started building condos yeah yeah well and that's because it's a transit hub right and that's based on a version of urbanism that isn't urban i'm wondering if they're going to keep the uh i wonder if they're going to keep the entrance from the mall to the condos like, are you going to be able to just walk right by the Build-A-Bear workshop into your building? I Or, or does that cheapen it for residents? So having you, been there recently, I don't think so. But it's, it's, it's walled off now. Yeah. But looking at it, I was like, I don't see the ergonomics of this. 
But uh, but the Build-A-Bear. I mean, you're living in a mall parking lot with all that implies. I mean, you're, you're, very, you're very close to Claim Jumper if that's what you're looking for. Yeah, there's for. a Red Robin. Um, but when I moved to Anchorage, boy, the malls. I mean, it was the it was the, the worse the weather, the more important the mall. That's right. It was the key to uh, to high school. The Diamond Center was new. It had an ice rink in the middle of it, Ooh. which seems like well, it's Alaska. There's ice rinks everywhere. Every <laughs> parking you, lot is. I mean, in Portland, that's fun that the Lloyd Center has that ice rink. Why yeah. would you do that in Anchorage? Diamond Center was a was a big deal. Uh, the Northway Mall, which was one that really fell on hard times. It was always a little shady, but but it, it became awful. But it was a cool mall, the Sears Mall, the University Mall. All of Anchorage these, had four malls. It had four big malls. I guess and that's then, what it is, like where there's where kids can't hang out in parking lots because it's too cold. They and, need mall space. And then it had other malls, smaller malls. But then in the 80s, they decided that they were going to mollify downtown. They were going to make a big mall. They were going to connect the Nordstrom uh, to the mall. They were going to have overpasses. You know, it was going to be like a St. Paul mall. Um, Skyways? Not, not Yeah, not to be What's, confused with Paul Mall. St. Paul Mall is a is what Paul Westerberg sings about in Skyway. <laughs> um, yeah, it's Skyway Connected Mall. And they built this mall right before the decline of malls. And so... At, when when it opened, there were all those kind of plywood walls in in some of the stores. Like coming soon, yeah. an amazing store with shopping bags. And then a lot of those didn't ever fill up, and the mall went from being the new mall to being n- not a place. It's too bad. A lot of them are still standing. A lot of them are, and they'd be great places to have laser tag or uh, like BMX races. I mean. I feel like it would be cool to turn them into residential, but actually to make every store a different. So you can be like, "Oh, I want to live in Hickory Farms." Yeah, oh no, no, no! I want to live in. I want to live in the Gap. There are a lot of uh, proposals to turn them into homeless uh, shelters or new cut, new styles of housing. Uh, but a lot of that stuff, you know, what while people talk about it, the malls fall into disrepair. The mall that. Um, that was really featured in new us news and world report 2009 issue america's most danger or, i'm sorry america's most endangered malls was the century 3 mall in west mifflin pennsylvania where is west mifflin west mifflin is uh just south of pittsburgh and it is one of the places i mean pittsburgh was a steel factory I've heard the whole city basically even, even the houses even the jc penny even stay-at-home moms had to make uh steel in their bathtub mm-hmm. and 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 were people were making steel as you remember in backyard just like steel just like kills. mao wanted uh-huh it's, com- it's compatible with maoism um there were at a certain point in pennsylvania um Something like, well, more than a hundred steel mills, um, and Pittsburgh was, you know, the headquarters of U.S. Steel and Bethlehem Steel, and there were steel plants everywhere. And one of the things that steel plants produce, in addition to steel, in addition first to to pig iron. I mean, if they're not producing steel, they're not a very good steel plant. Yeah, right. You're right. I mean, you're first. You have to take ore and turn it into iron, mm-hmm. as we say, and then you have to take iron and turn it into steel. Does that happen in the same place? Not usually, right? Uh, there are different, you know, different strokes for different folks, different mills for different pills. That's as the old saying goes. <laughs> uh, but one of the things that happens when you make steel is um, all the stuff in ore that isn't. Iron, which there's a ton of, because ore is just something that came out of the ground. Yeah, ore is just rock. There's, there's no way to just get the iron in the rock. You got it. The iron in the rock. That's one of my favorite gospel tunes. <laughs> uh, there's all that stuff in in the rock that's not iron, and you have to kind of cook it off. And then when you take iron and you turn it into steel, there's more stuff in iron that you don't want in steel, and you got to cook that stuff off. And it's part of the 
part of the um, the steel milling process. A big, a big part of it is. I would say nearly all of it. It's a big, big, big part of it. I mean, it. there's also HR. <laughs> is that you heat up the stuff? Let's just call it the stuff going in. Technical term. You heat it up real hot, and then you separate it, and you take the the stuff that's the iron and steel, and you put it over here. Uh, it's real hot. And then you take this other stuff, which is also real hot, and you got to get rid of it. And it's also metallic, much of it, right? Some well, is some is mineral, much is metallic. It's a lot of things, but generally it's silicon and it's uh, uh, not so much metallic. It's, it's really it's, just the other stuff from the rock. It's silicon. It's phosphorus. There's a lot of lime, limestone, mm. um, manganese. So some, some metallic. A little bit of, of metallic stuff, but a lot of just, it, you know, honestly, it looks like when it, when it cools, kind of looks like lava. If you've been to Hawaii and you've seen- Is it black? It's porous. It's kind of gray. Because you're, like, try, you're trying to get carbon, what, out of the steel or into the steel? I can't remember. Uh, well, you, car- want, you want carbon in the steel, the, right? The, the quantity of carbon in the steel is important to the kind of steel you're making. Mm. And, and I'm remembering this from the Chairman Mao stuff. Yeah, to, do, uh, to, to make steel is like an elaborate process and you want the steel to be made, I mean, you different kinds of steel, different steel for different fields, as we say. Um, you want it to have different, you know, the, the components of the steel, the, the, uh, the constituent elements are change depending on what you want. And, and it's a very precise science and taking the stuff out that you don't want is also kind of a precise science. And as you get more efficient at it, you, um, you know, you're taking the, 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 I haven't said the word yet. I'm going to have to say it now. Say it. Say it. The whole reason I wanted to do this show was it because I wanted to say this word 50 times, and I don't know why, I'm, why I haven't done it yet. Prolonged uh, gratification, delayed gratification. The slag. The slag. Which is all the stuff that isn't the steel and iron, the stuff you want, all the other stuff, the slag. Um, slag just means leftover stuff. If you don't want it, it by definition, it's slag. There's, yeah. no, there's no mineralogical definition of slag. It's just whatever the... the Foundry guy doesn't want. Right. And uh, there are two kind of different uh, uses of the word slag. There's the slag that we're talking about here, principally the slag that comes uh, as a byproduct of steel production. But in Europe, especially, uh, they refer to mining tailings as slag. Uh, so tailings being stuff that comes out of the mine and is not does not make it to the... Yeah, like if you're the stuff you're digging to get to the other stuff is tailings. If you are digging coal, uh-huh. um, you know, you you dig the coal seam, but you have to dig a lot of dirt, rock that isn't coal, and you know it's not coal to get to the coal, and so you pile that stuff up. Like if you're if you're doing placer mining, you take all the gravel and you run it through your sluice box, and the gold settles out of it. And then the tailings are just the dirt that you searched for. Like placer mining, you don't take sand and gravel and run it through a through a furnace. You just run it down a ramp with water, and hopefully the gold filters to the bottom. To be clear, we're not talking about that kind of slag. No, although we we that kind of slag comes in as a little bit of a side. Um, bonus slag? A little bo- bonus slag. Yeah. In Europe and other places, that stuff, the um, slag slash tailings have a lot of different names. Uh, it's um, it's called spoil a lot of times, the spoil, spoil tip. Uh, it can be referred to as the bony pile. The bony pile? It's also the comb bank. These are all XTC songs. Uh-huh. Gob pile. Gob pile. Uh, the waste tip and often just known as the Bing. <laughs> I had a very exciting moment going to the mail the other day. Oh, what John. Happened? I got sent some amazing new products from Native. I got some too. Were yours like, were yours flavors that had cupcake in the name? I have been using their mint cookie cupcake body wash. 
or maybe it's mint cupcake cookie body wash. Two different baked goods in my body wash, cookie and cupcake. Because before I had this, I would have to stand in the shower and just rub cookies and cupcakes all over my body. And it wasn't helping. I had a, I got a lot of ants on me. Well, I had two. I had two things go on. When I opened it, I was like, "Is this going to? How is this going to be cookie and cupcake?" And when I smelled it, it was both cookie and cupcake. And then, of course, I thought, "Why would I want that in my soap?" But then it turned out I really like it. I also got some fresh peach cupcake. I think it was deodorant. I can't remember which was which. And it really does smell like a fresh peach cupcake, <laughs> if that's a thing. So, like, the hard part is just like making sure you you rub it on your underarms and right. not and not just eat the whole thing in one sitting. Well, so this body wash, uh, it's a it's a, a, a large bottle, and I've been using it every day, and uh, it tingles in a refreshing minty way. But the cupcake and cookie thing, it goes so naturally with my normal sort of cupcakey scent. That um, it's a it's a, a pleasure to have with me all day long. It's a collaboration with a tiny cupcake bakery called Baked by Melissa. Okay. These are like based on the delicious creations of that uh, company's founder, Melissa Ben Ishe, mixed with natives. We've plugged these before. Simple but effective formulations to surprise and delight consumers with every wash and swipe. When I wash and I swipe, mm-hmm. I like to be delighted every single time. Mm-hmm. And in that regard. Native delivers. So other brands, it might be every three times, every six times even. Not native. You know what a drag it is to swipe and not be delighted. Oh, it's the worst. So you, you just keep swiping, hoping to feel something. Yeah. Feel something. I used to feel something when I swiped. So the native baked by Melissa collection has four separate scents available in deodorant, body wash, and shampoo and conditioner. And they still have the same guarantees you come to expect from Native. It's aluminum-free, vegan and cruelty-free. The ingredients are naturally derived. You'll recognize everything on the label, if that matters to you. The limited edition scents are tie-dye vanilla cupcake, mint cookie cupcake, that solves that question, fresh peach cupcake, and ginger lemonade cupcake. Mm, smell and feel fresh all day long with Native. And you'll get 20% off your first order by going to nativedo.com slash omnibus or use promo code omnibus at checkout. That's nativedo.com slash omnibus or use promo code omnibus at checkout for 20% off your first order. Delight in every swipe. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about slag, proper nope. slag. No more bing. Um, steel production is a, is a uh, is a sign of an industrial economy. It's one of the it's one of the things that, you know. It's a big part of manufacturing. Can't do much without iron. Uh, and so, steel production is a global industry, right? Uh, right now, China makes more steel than anywhere but india has a has a burgeoning steel production uh industry japan famous for steel manufacturing brazil and the united states has gotten a little bit out of the steel game we're steel importers com- compared to what we were in in uh in 1940 what but we you, still make a lot of steel here. what would you say is the reason for that oh well we just transitioned to a infotainment economy. But is it is it a lack of domestic resources no. or is it just cheaper to import? It's just cheaper. So it's mostly labor. Yeah, it's um we decided to stop paying unionized workers in Pennsylvania. <laughs> That's right. Nice. That's right. I way mean, to, for, way to go us. For a long time we exported steel and then yeah, the Japanese steel industry uh got really good and making good steel and so we exported a lot of times we would export rusty iron like old rails and stuff we would export it and then they would make it into delicious steel and send it back while our cities rusted away. doesn't seem efficient. Gosh, darn it. USA, America. Anyway, as part of this whole process, well, let's, let's set the Wayback machine a little bit further back during the, the heyday of steel production in the United States, we produced a lot of slag and there wasn't anything to do with the slag. It's not, it's just sort of slag. It's right there in the name. You've just made more of the rock it came from basically. Yeah. In inefficient 
steel production and iron production, um, you can your, your slag can equal up to fifty percent of the material. You make a thousand kilograms of of uh, of steel and five hundred kilograms of slag. So you're producing a ton of waste material, and be, in the style of the time, what they did with the slag was just take it out over there and dump it. Um, and all major American industrial steelmaking places, Chicago and Pennsylvania and, and places far and wide. What do they do? Just dig a hole? They don't dig a hole. They just dump it. It's just, uh, it's just giant fields, eventually hills, uh, of this porous, crumbly, um, organically, inert until it (laughs) contacts water, in which case it becomes all its, you know, components, phosphorus and, and silicon little ions and lime that all go down into the groundwater. I was just watching a movie where they, it appeared they dumped some slag while it was still molten. Well, so this is is a thing you could do. This was, uh, what, what they did. Um, when, when steel comes out of a furnace or iron comes out of a furnace, it's extremely hot. 1600 degrees and the slag is super hot too. Molten looks like lava burning, uh, hot liquid metal, orangey metal, liquid stuff. Yeah. And you know, the way that you cool iron and steel also affects the way that the, the metal is, but the slag just as hot, uh, was poured into train cars train cars shaped like buckets and the train then took this super hot slag out to whatever field they decided to dump it in and they dumped it out of these buckets and it was by all accounts beautiful this is what exactly the movie scene i was watching and i didn't know what i was seeing but it it is beautiful it's like a man-made lava flow the movie by the way is called atlantis it's a Ukrainian movie that was made in 2019, but it's set in the dystopian future of 2025, just after the ending of the Russo-Ukrainian War. What? So even though it's three years old, it predicts the Russian invasion, and it kind of it, it takes place in now what is the dystopian wasteland of eastern Ukraine. So it's kind of a, a gloomy view of a post-war future, and it's got amazing slag dumping, if that's what you're into, <laughs> as, as a movie buff. Um the whole thing is done in a series of very long takes, including the slag dumping. So there's like actually stuff happening in the scene while train buckets dump slag down a down a slope in the background. So the area in Ukraine that is currently under in contention, right? The the area Donbass where mm-hmm. the Russians have invaded because it because they thought mistakenly that the Russophone residents wanted to be hey, reunited with their brothers. When you've got some places next door that need to be denazificated, you're not going to let a little international law get in your way. Well, uh, Donetsk, Donetsk um, has enormous slag heaps. Oh. Uh, there are, there are uh, estimated 200 slag heaps per capita. Donetsk. Um, and again, there was an enormous steel industry in, in Southeastern Ukraine, uh, the Azov steel mill being the. Until recently, like prior to the war. Well, yeah, the, um, oh, wait a minute. Uh, steel, steel plays a large role in the history of Ukraine. Um, the the steel mills that were built down in, in Southern Ukraine were built by American and English investors kind of in the when, 19th in the century. Oh no. Back in the day. Yeah. And they, they, they were built there um, because that was a, a time in Ukrainian history where it was, the, it was sort of pre Soviet Soviet, Industry and then during the 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 Soviet period, they actually imported American engineers to kind of come and duplicate the steel mills of Pittsburgh in Ukraine, 
And so the the Azovstal steel mill is the place where the that you know dramatic last stand of Ukrainian defenders is even as we record this fighting off the uh, they're the you know the last stand of the steel Ukrainians. mill is now is now like a a, an, a besieged bastion. Yeah, it was uh, the huh. the mill itself is like a like a multi layered subterranean uh, warren of of tunnels and different levels built and 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 like expanded upon during the Cold War as a kind of bomb shelter slash underground city. It's an astonishing place, but the Ukrainian steel industry was a, was a big part of its economy and produced a ton of slag, which also was slag heaped all through that region. Slag kind of represented part of the Superfund era of environmental catastrophe because is a slag heap an environmental catastrophe? It's yeah, not just inert. Slag can, I mean, it, it produces a lot of dust that then blows around and gives people silica mm. uh, issues. But also, you know, phosphorus gets into the groundwater. It's a, um, it's used as a fertilizer, but it's not what you want running into your lakes because it still is a fertilizer and it produces algae and. Um, oh, interesting. You know, creates. I mean, for uh, runoff fertilizer is a real problem, yeah. and this is runoff fertilizer that's not even coming from farms. Super fertilizer. Yeah, super superlizer. Pure phosphorus. Um, and then the 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 metals, the heavy metals that you're, that are trace components. If, if they wind up in groundwater. Yeah, you've got you've got in addition to the main sort of silicon phosphorus, you've got lead, chromium. Uh, cyanide, mm. mercury, all this stuff in trace John, amounts. John, that's the greatest hits of things I don't want in my drinking water. <laughs> no, you don't. Lead, mercury, and cyanide? No, thank you. But also what you found with slag heaps is uh, they're outside or inside American industrial cities, and they're, they're an attractive nuisance. They're giant piles of dirt that in the 60s and 70s, kids start riding their bikes. People go out and drive around in their trucks and jump um, you know, make jumps, which is a very BMX common thing in America. Things. Yeah. Anytime you've got dirt, somebody's going to make a jump and then that's just kicking up more dust. You know, they, uh, a lot of them were hazardous. Um, can you uh, tell me what this has to do with the malls? Yes. Well, in 1969, us steel decided that they were going to start, uh, taking some of their land. They they did what Warehouser did, which was at a certain point they said, you know what we are? We're actually a real estate company. <laughs> and they took a, a giant slag heap called Brown's Dump, which was over 400 acres and had grown over the years to be a mountain um, 200 feet tall. That was, I mean, if you watch the videos, they had, they built railroad tracks along the top of this and they just ran trains out there with these, these giant buckets of hot slag and dumped them down the side of this mountain, building up the mountain. Yeah. And people in Pittsburgh would like drive out, like they were going to the drive-in movies and park there and watch the slag trains dump. Hey kids, let's go watch the slag. Yeah. And because the, the, the skies were full of, full of smoke from the steel plants, the burning slag would reflect off of the smoke clouds and create, I mean, people weren't like, this is a post-apocalyptic nightmare. They were like, look how beautiful. It's really hard to believe that we're still around as a species. I know, pretty astonishing. But in 1976, a company proposed taking Brown's dump and uh, flattening it out and making it into a giant mall called Century Three, and it was a hundred million dollar project. They built a one point six million square foot mall. Wow! With uh, all the things that we talked about: J.C. Penney, Wards, Gimbel's, Sears, Kaufman's, Kaufman's, a local department store. Got all these weird East Coast ones. They called it Century Three because it was proposed during the bicentennial. The third century of the United States. And in 1979, it opened. It had 200 stores. It was a super mall. 
one of the one of the great super malls during the pinnacle of the mall's ascendancy. And this was a time when slag heaps started to be uh, repurposed by either trying to kind of cover them with grass like we do landfills um, or build things on top of them. Um, it turned out that slag was pretty stable. Uh, and do any of the contamination issues affect a mall built thereon, or can you just, if you put down enough dirt on top of it, you're good. Yeah. You put enough cement, you put some stabilizers on the slag. Um, it, uh, it was a way of kind of, you know, blanketing over the, the dust. You didn't just build a mall on a dusty field. You, you'd pave it over, but it was a way of reclaiming the land, uh, the valuable urban land. But, um, but with the death of the suburban mall, um, and I don't want to tie the mall too much to the slag. Not all malls have slag, and not no. all slag heaps grow malls. That's exactly right. I just loved the fact that they built a mall on top of Brown's Dump and, uh, and called it Century 3. All of that. It just I just love the Century 3 mall, as far as I know, is still standing. Although, um, although now completely empty, I think it, I think the last store only closed in 2019. So you don't want to be the last store open in a mall. It was a gross mall for a long time. I had a friend working on that GameStop at Northgate when everything else had been shut. Wow. And people still went. No, no, but he still got, I guess actually people would go to GameStop because it's enough of a destination, but. One of the things that killed, that really put the nail in the coffin of century three was, uh, fancy mall opened up nearby on top of the remnants of the Homestead Steel Company, but the fancy mall was called the Waterfront. Oh, there's a better slag mall. Yeah, and it had housing and... This slag mall has an olive garden. Yeah, it had nicer stuff. It didn't have a Sears and Awards. It had a Banana Republic. So the Waterfront kind of also killed Century 3. How can you have a waterfront in Pittsburgh? I guess it's well, the river. It was on the Monongahela, probably. Mm. Um, so, so you can't just build a mall on every slag heap. And slag heaps went through a period where they were considered super fun sites. And there was a lot super of- fund. Super fund. Not super fun. It's not super fun. Government, I mean, if you put a mall on it, I if guess. If you were a BMX rider, they would be super fun sites. But but the, the government poured money into cleaning up some of these slag heaps? Well, tried to. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of slag in slag heaps and globally a lot of slag. But there are other environmental catastrophes. There are so many environmental catastrophes. But one of the ones you may have read about recently is that we're running out of sand. Oh, I missed this. It's a it's a thing because construction is booming globally. Everybody wants to build, 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 build new buildings. You need sand for the cement. You do. C- and cement requires good sand. You can't make cement, you can't make good cement out of good out of bad sand, right? That's just, that's what I'm always saying. I tell my kids that. Yeah. And the the it used to seem kind of like the forests that there would be an endless amount of sand on this great earth. But in fact, good sand is a good sand is hard to find. I've heard stories about beaches having to import sand. Well, that was a thing. Um, the sand mining of 50 years ago was, uh, was to shore up beaches. Literally, um, Waikiki beach in Hawaii, one of the most famous beaches, is made out of a lot of sand from other places. In Australia, there's a whole mythology that Waikiki is actually made out of sand from New South Wales. And therefore they can claim it? Yeah, that's right. You can stay there for free if you're an Australian citizen? Uh, It turns turns out that's been debunked. Um, Most of Waikiki is actually sand. Originally was sand from other Hawaiian islands. That makes more sense. Uh, And now what they do is they just go out and dredge up sand from offshore and bring it back. Hmm. Not so good for the crabs, uh, but good for the, the, the sunbathers. Well, I was just recently on Molokai and uh, Molokai has one of the largest 
sand beaches in the United States, two miles long, just beautiful sand beach. Can't swim there because the, the, um, the undertow is so extreme because mm-hmm. there's no reef. Uh, but the beach was mined for sand and they took that sand and used it all over. They took some to Long Beach in California. They used it in construction. They took some to Waikiki. And if you see aerial photographs of the beach in Molokai, you know, it's just decimated. The sand, the beach used to be. That's just so crazy to me. Sand mining. Yeah. Boys, we've struck sand. In China right now, they're, they're mining sand out of their rivers and it's kind of an environmental catastrophe. And in Southeast Asia, there's a lot of illegal sand mining. Uh, you turn your back on sand, uh, some, you know, remote sand and you, you come back a week later and there's the sand bandits have a, been there. A bunch of sand bandits. The sand people. You know, there's, uh, 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 <laughs> they're stealing the sand and they're selling the sand. A lot of sand has... I'm going to put all my money in sand. I'm taking all my money out of crypto and putting it in sand. Sand right is the future. I'm feeling really pleased with myself today, John, because I remembered to cancel a TV channel during the seven-day free trial period. Wow. How did you even manage to do it? You you watched TV for a couple of days and you were like, this is not for me? I watched the one movie I wanted to see on this channel and then I had to set a little notify update on my phone to remind me to cancel the damn thing before it became $5.99 a month. I've been paying for an app for a year and I have never used it once. And every week I say, oh, I got to cancel that thing. And I still haven't done it. That's why they want you to sign up for those things. Yeah. Because they think you'll forget to unsubscribe. And even though you don't use the surface, they'll just keep siphoning money off you for months to come. Yeah, they hope it they hope it never goes away, right? You forget about it. We want to recommend to you Truebill. If you were to download Truebill, it would manage all your subscriptions for you. It'll figure out what stuff you're not using but you're still paying for, which ones you forgot about. The average Truebill user saves about $720 a year. You know, not everybody is as circumspect as you and I are about subscribing to things, right? People, I think, in the contemporary economy recognize that subscriptions are how you get the things that you want, but they also are susceptible to a lot of things that they don't want to pay for anymore. And and companies specifically make it hard to cancel, you know? So you've got to know where on the site to do it. Here's all the hoops you have to jump through. Truebill will do that automatically for you. That's why I still get Time Magazine. Peace of mind. They have over 2 million users and have collectively saved them over $100 million. So how do I use Truebill? It's easy, John. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today by going to Truebill.com slash Omnibus. So you're saying if I go to Truebill.com slash Omnibus, it could save me thousands a year? That's right. Truebill.com slash Omnibus. A lot of sand, beach sand has ground up uh, shells. Yeah. And you want, you know, there's a specific kind of shell to uh, mineral uh, ratio that you that you, Do you don't want too many shells. As a, like for, as a beach goer, like for softness? No, I think softness. For construction, you for want. For construction, yeah. you want finer sand. Um, you know, the, the sand mining industry right now is a $70 billion industry. Jeez. Sand sells for $90 a yard. We're going to be getting sand from Mars. Uh, Australia, India, uh, there's a lot of sand mining in Sierra Leone. And then, of course, China, sand mining in a, in a major way. In Wisconsin, there's an enormous sand rush right now because sand is used, the, the silica from the sand is used in fracking. The fracking industry needs silica. Huh. And do you know what a, they do with it? Uh, they, they, they dump it into they the ground? They frack it. They, they stick it down. And it probably makes, yeah, what they do is they, they, they mix the silica with water and then high pressure injected in. It's not just water. That's what makes it more, um, uh, more lubricated. What do you call it when, uh, viscous, no. Yeah, but it's got to uh, be like rough, like it's got to scour as it goes, right? Is that what the sand does? The sand uh, just uh, does it make it goopier? Does it or does it make it? Um, you're exfoliating. You're exfoliating Alberta. Well, it's it, this. It's it's 
creating the high pressure that's necessary to force mm. the oil out of the cracks, the fracks, in other words. Yeah, maybe it does have to be thicker for that. That makes sense. Yeah, it 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 it's um it makes a slurry. <laughs> that's what you want. Yeah, you want a you want a silica slurry. So they're taking a ton of uh, they're taking all the sand out of Wisconsin. Um, they're taking their, their city is gone, but in the process of trying to mitigate the slag heaps, people started to realize, wait a minute, slag when ground up is, you just said it was mostly silicon is better than sand in a lot of applications, even for cement. Especially for cement. Mm. So because of the component minerals in slag, um, engineers, material scientists started to experiment with slag as a, as a component in cement, in, uh, construction aggregates. They realized you can make bricks out of it. It's good for making glass, Mm. of course, because again, a lot of silica, um, they started adding it to asphalt. Um, at, at first, they were using it as an aggregate, like a bed under rail and under parking lots and under roads. Like, oh, instead of putting dirt down, why don't we just mine some of this slag and put it down? Um, and then they realized they could also actually use it to make the concrete. Um, the lime in slag can actually instead of just polluting the water with with uh, phosphorus runoff it can actually be used as fertilizer wow so is there enough slag sitting around i mean i guess the one question is is it economical to reprocess it i mean i guess if it's nearby kind of depends and your choice is sand from sierra leone or under this dump across the highway right what's fortunate is that um the slag mines I'm not, rather the slag piles are, you know, are in, at least in America, in the industrial centers. That's true uh, in most places globally. You're making the slag in places where you're also making the stuff. Yeah, that's where the cement plants are going to be. Right. Uh, slag that's not ground up actually is being used to make artificial reefs. Oh. So as we as the realization, you know, as it dawned on people, wait a minute, this slag actually is uh, stuff we should mess around with. We should not just sit here and try and cap it, but actually uh, see if there are uses for it. It turned out there were innumerable uses for it. We're going to have a slag shortage. And it actually becomes uh, it becomes a very valuable byproduct of steelmaking. Okay, I'm actually going to get all my money out of sand and put it into slag. That's right. The the estimate now is that um, that globally, there 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 are different kinds of slag, right? The slag that comes from making iron is different from the slag that comes from making steel. Because you take the iron slag off, and then you then you turn it into steel. It's a different kind of slag. Mm-hmm. Second secondary slag. Um, different kinds of steel furnaces. There's like the electric arc furnace, which you use in steel making. There's the oxygen furnaces of ye olden times. They're producing now um, like five or 600 million tons of slag per year. Uh, right now, there's a, there's a global demand for about 300 tons of slag. So there's still an excess of slag being produced Um the slag that people like the best is the ground granulated blast furnace slag. GGBFS? The GGBFS, which is what they actually call it. Oh, is that true? You're great at doing that. Uh, but the GGBFS is how they refer to it in the literature. Shorter. Um, it's very. It's much shorter than saying ground granulated blast furnace slag I'd call every it, time. I'd call it gag boofs. Um, gag boofs. That's two syllables yeah. compared to GGBFS. Yeah, are you, are you good giving in game, BFS? You don't have to be game. I'm, are just you, good in giving. My, me and my, this is my good in giving BFF, if you know what I mean. 
what it, what it turns out as we uh, as we started really digging in literally to the uh, to the slag story is that use, reusing slag and using slag as an aggregate is an ancient practice. Roman roads are often built incorporating slag from the the iron industry in Roman times. Slag was I guess it was I guess it was already in chunks. Yeah. Right. It's perfect. You take it out and break it up and uh, and there it is. It's it's dirt. I would use it for fish tank gravel. Fish tank gravel would be a great use of slag, although might leach uh, mercury into your mm. water and kill your fish. Fair enough. I feel like you need to stabilize the slag so that it doesn't um it doesn't like get into the groundwater. But stabilizing slag I mean, what we're putting it in the ocean as uh, as reef. Uh, there's a lot of different kinds of slag. Let's put it that way. Let's put the less mercury-filled kind in the ocean. It does. I'll, I want Jeremy Piven to eat all the sushi he can. It, what's interesting is that the that the idea of slag as a waste product was really a um, like a uh, like a misapprehension of industrial steelmaking. Uh, prior to that, when iron making was a was a cottage industry or a local industry or small scale, they used every part of the sure, iron. Sure, my people used every part of the slag. Uh, but now, as we're discovering uh, that we reduce, reuse, and recycle on a global level, right now China is is gobbling up the slag. They're making use of a of a lot of their slag. Germany is is really good at repurposing all their slag. Uh, other countries are, are catching up, you know, I think, the I, th- I think the U- uh, Ukrainians were throwing their slag away uh, until recently. And maybe in rebuilding Ukraine at, after the end of the war, uh, they'll take some of that slag and, and put it into bricks. You don't want a slag gap. You do not want a slag gap. Uh, there are places now around the world where their slag heaps are actually beloved local landmarks and they are resisting having their slag heaps uh, repurposed. What does that mean? Now they're like, they're just cool hills. Yeah. Stu- did stuff grow on them? So now it's like a, they think it's like a parkland. And- Toluca, Illinois, uh, its official nickname is Slag City. Oh, that's why I would move there. And they have the slag hills of Toluca on their city crest. And they do not want you and your newfangled city folk coming in and um, and messing with their slag hills. Don't mess with our slag. They're going to have to change their city crest. In Europe, the um, the Nord Pas de Calais mining basin there in France mm-hmm. has had its slag piles declared a UNESCO World Heritage Site. Are they ancient? They're old. They're oh, old yeah, slag yeah. hills. Medieval. And um, in Wales, there are, uh, slag hills that are, you know, that are considered like, um, uh, they're like fruit trees grew on them because miners would throw their apple cores on the slag hill. And now they're giant, like beloved orchards that wow. the locals are like, you do not come for our slag. There's a real case for littering on the grand scale. If you, you know, if you throw a Arby's wrapper out your window you're it will grow an arby's tree <laughs> right you're a criminal but if you throw enough uh excess rock out of your factory and then throw enough apple seeds into the excess rock and wait a thousand years then you got something when i drive along i always throw my banana peels out the window and because of course they're going to event end up growing banana trees and that could be uh, the futurelings right now could be living in a Seattle They're swinging from them, you know, with banana trees everywhere, and they have no idea who to thank. You come back later and claim you claim all these banana trees. I I threw out the peel. I have a phone video. Uh, I'm, I'm afraid I'm I'm going to have to take over the plantation. And that concludes slag entry eleven seventy dot easy two two one eight certificate number two four seven eight nine in the omnibus. If you're a fan of slag, not the band, but the omnibus entry, is there Black Slag? There's no band called Slag, but there should be, right? There must be. I can imagine it in the heavy metal font. 
There must be. Um, there what, is a band called Slag. There, uh, there looks like there's a band called The Slags, although that's a different usage of the word slag. It's a misunderstanding of industrial rock that your name has to literally be industrial terminology. You know, slag, uh, slag is a is a um, is a UK term. It's a UK insult. Slag um, off, eh? But. Uh, all right, uh, that, that, that sounds like a Canadian. Canadian. Slag off, isn't it? Is slag better? off, isn't it? Yeah. That's better, right? Uh, for more slag talk, go to our uh, social media presence at Omnibus Project or at Ken Jennings or at John Roderick. Tell us your slag stories. I know there are a lot of people listening that live near a slag pile, adjacent to a slag pile. I bet people have stories of... Tell, us, tell us about the three most fun things you ever did at a slag heap. Tell us which of your children were conceived on a slag heap by sending that to the Omnibus Project at gmail.com. Send us local slag to Omnibus Project, PO Box 55744, Shoreline, Washington 98155. Polaroid pictures of you and your family watching the slag train dump its hot slag. Watch the sunset over the beautiful slag heaps of, uh, of Toluca, Illinois. Uh, send us slag postcards. Um, Discuss slag with other slag-minded futurelings online. There's a Facebook group. There's a subreddit. There's discourse and discord and, and more stuff like that, probably. I'm hoping that if enough futurelings talk about slag, that we become the first search result that comes up if you put slag into the internet. Right now, if you open Google and you're somebody like me who has Googled slag for the last five days, uh, which I think affects your results slag.net is not registered slag.com appears to belong to lafarge north america do you think they would want to sell hmm. what is this multinational cement company doing with slag.com nothing there if you go there nothing happens no you can see who owns it but they haven't put anything up on it slag.org doesn't resolve there are a lot of uh, uh, position papers or like engineering papers written by geologists on the topic of slag. Everyone loves slag. It's the hot new thing. Sell all your um, bored apes and buy slag. Oh, wait. The first related search for slag is chav. Oh, is it a, is it a British slang term? Yes. I was saying slag is a... Yeah, but is, what does it mean? Sla- is it like, a, you're, like a, a, you're such a slag? It's like a, like a low-class girl. Slag off does mean to criticize someone. Oh, I've heard that. Yeah. I, I've heard that from British people who don't talk normal. Yeah, chavs. Do chavs say slag or, and vice I versa? I they do. I, believe, I, sl- I think slags date chavs and chavs date slag. But who do slavs date? Chavs. Slavs date chunks. The best way to support the show is not by sending us rich silica containing Slag, but to go into patreon.com slash omnibus project and boringly contributing regular currency. I would not find it boring. I would find it thrilling. That was pretty cool when I opened that envelope uh, on that last entry and it had three $2 bills in it. Was cool. I mean, better than two $3 bills. Yeah. When you think about it. Yeah. Patreon.com slash omnibus project. The place to support the show, if we have ever entertained you. Not right now, but think back to other times when we were being more entertaining. I don't know. And give accordingly. This feels pretty entertaining. On a scale of one to ten? Well. I'm not saying, it was a good show. Yeah, yeah, I'm just yeah. saying right about now, it's 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 sinking to a six or a seven. I, I feel like your shows are more entertaining than mine, just because your shows have me. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Whereas my shows only you, have you. <laughs> you, you. My shows have a fun sidekick. You. Your shows have a lame sidekick. Me. That means we should just have my shows. Yeah, we should just have you do the shows, and then I'm like... You never have to prep. You just show up and are like, yeah, Do you hey know guy, what time it is? Hey, what's up? You're, you're just a hype man. <laughs> what's up? Omnibus hype man, John Roderick. <laughs> Futurelings. I don't know why... This still says stride. Oh, because of ostriches. From, from, from Tuesday, uh, Tuesday show? From our vantage point. Oh, no, in last your, Thursday no, show. last Thursday. From our uh, ostriches. Stride. Uh, from our vantage point on an ostrich, 
in your distant past, we have no idea how long our civilization survived. We wish you many goods and cheese and hope that you come see us often. We also hope and pray that this catastrophe we fear may never come because we want you to live in a world where all the slag heaps, except for the ones in Toluca, Illinois, have been turned into wonderful buildings on the side of old malls where people live in urbanist conditions and have P.F. Changs all around them. Everyone lives in slag bricks now. If the worst comes soon, this recording, like all our recordings, may have been our final word. What if it ended right then? The world? Yeah. Be a this would be our final word. Well, I mean, we're never going to release this show then. Well, it, cause it's that's, just, it, no, it's all automated. That's the equivalent of you wouldn't write, ah. Uh, no, Mark it, Miles it, wouldn't edit, ah. Uh. It goes to Mark Miles, and because he lives in the Middle West, like, he'll live longer, because we're mm. here, Boeing is he, right there. He's just trying to get the show out ahead of the of the radiation cloud. Yeah, right. He puts it on the final platinum disc, puts it into the mine. And then and, walks into the sea. Yeah, folds his arms across his chest and is vaporized. Uh, if Providence allows... Which it seems to, Providence seems to be allowing. So far. Uh, we hope to be back with you soon for another entry in the Omnibus.